Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Landy's Taiwan Diaries. My name is Alia Landman, but most people just call me Landy. We are very happy that you joined us again, and today what we are going to talk about is actually a little bit of culture. Now, in the Taiwanese culture, which comes originally from China, so it's very, very old, there are many rituals. And we're going to talk about two occasions where a lot of rituals are involved. Now, I think this will be very interesting for our foreign listeners, and there might be some younger Taiwanese listeners who also are not so familiar with all these traditional rituals. And we'd like to share them because they are very interesting. And then we can also contrast it with how it happens in the Western countries and how, how it is different here in a completely different culture. Let's start with a funeral. Okay, so it's never nice to talk about a funeral, but it, uh, the rituals are kind of interesting and they have a lot of meaning. So in the Western countries, if there's a funeral, usually you go to church and then the, the coffin is there in the church and there's a, a service and then you move from there to the cemetery and then the person gets buried. Now, in the church, not much happens. The priest or the reverend has a sermon and people sing and it's kind of like a church service and then you, you move to the cemetery. Now, Taiwan is very different. So if you go to the, the funeral home on the day of the funeral, can I just mention that very few people now in Taiwan actually have a funeral because there's just not enough land. I would say uh, way more than 90% of all people get cremated because that's just the, it's part of the, the custom as well and, and part of the tradition. So now it's the day of the funeral and there's a setting I won't say it's a church, but it's at the funeral home. They've got these halls. And it, it's, it's a place where people can sit in rows. And in the front, there's a setting and there's a, usually a picture of the deceased. And then different kinds of rituals take place here. Firstly, the core family, the close family, they are supposed to wear just simple cloth or hemp clothes. And it must be white. So many people don't really have clothes like that. So people often rent it or the funeral home can even rent it to you. It's part of the complete package, the service, you know, so people can wear these clothes because they must show, it's, so it's very simple and plain, right? So people can show that they are very sad and they're not in the mood for any happiness or brightness or nice clothes or anything like that. And once you finish the funeral, you give it you give it back to her, them or you give it back to the place where you rented it from. So that's for the, for the core family, right? And um, the guests, they can wear black like people wear in Western countries. No, black for funerals, very, uh, our Western listeners will, will know that it's very, uh, these two go together. But here, the guests can wear black, they don't have to, as long as they don't wear anything too bright. Especially not red, because red is the color that is associated with weddings. And we are going to talk about weddings a little bit later. Then, in this hall, in front of this photo, some things get burned. Okay, they burn fake money. They burn fake furniture. These, these fake things are made of paper, okay? It's not like a, a little uh, wooden chair. It's just a little chair made out of paper. And these things are all burned. Some people even will burn a paper iPhone. And uh, this is kind of to, to send the person on his way. And people are very conscious of the fact that the person must leave not sad, okay? You know how often we see, they tell us in the movies, for example, when a person is dying and you are standing over them, don't cry because then they will also feel sad that they are leaving. So it's kind of to, to keep them happy. And people then go up in, in the, there's, a, there's kind of like a hierarchy 
even the, the way people sit, it's, it's organized by the ages, by the generations. So different people sit in different areas. Then you go up and you have your incense in your palms. You have your palms together like you are praying. And then you do your chant or your, your, your prayer or whatever you want to do. Now, the older people, they just do that. But the younger generation, they actually have to step up. And in front of the picture, they have their incense and they are in the pose of praying. But they actually have to kneel down and touch their forehead to the ground. It's almost like the, the way the Muslims pray. When the Muslims go to the mosque, the way they kneel down and then lean forward. And this they have to do three times to show their respect for the elder person who has, who has passed away. But that's only for the younger people. And they have to do this three times, as I said. And um, then when all these rituals have been done, then the body is usually kind of a little bit behind this, I don't want to say a stage, but this setting. There the body is there in a coffin. And then the people go around and they pay their last respects. And usually the, the close family is standing there with the coffin close to their loved one. And then as people file past, they thank them for coming to the funeral. And then the interesting thing is that nobody is supposed to cry there. People are not supposed to cry because, again, that will make the deceased feel unhappy and he wouldn't like to leave for the afterlife, so to speak. For that's not always so easy not to cry at a funeral, right? But people try. And then some people would also like to make a contribution because it's kind of expensive as anything in life, right? So people will bring a little envelope, a white envelope with money inside, and they can, they can give it to the family. But it must be an odd number of money to show that this thing will only happen once. It's not like an even number where it's supposed to be happened in pairs, right? You don't want anybody to die. For example, it's an uneven number like $1,100 or $3,300, something like that. So that's, very, that's a very normal amount. Sometimes, though, the family says, no, you don't have to give us any contributions. And then I, thank goodness, I've only been to one funeral in my life here in Taiwan. And um, another thing that I observed there is that if a child passes away before the parent, especially the mother, then the mother can be there, but she's not allowed to take part in any of the rituals. And that is kind of, I wouldn't say it's because she's angry, but it's because in the tradition, the, the child is not supposed to leave before the parent. So the parent is slightly upset and doesn't take part in these rituals. All right, and then, as I said, then once everybody has filed past and, and uh, seen the body for the last time, then the body will go on and it will be cremated. And that's basically the end of the funeral. The family then still goes there. There's some other little things that happen there after the cremation where only the, the close family is nearby. And then the ashes usually gets put in some, they call it the tower, because many people can't afford their own little area. So they have these towers where, they, where you buy a little... Um, box and you can put the, the urn in there with the ashes of your loved one. So that's how it is very different from, from a Western funeral. And earlier in our podcast, I think it was a few months ago, when we talked about different national holidays, we talked about the tomb sweeping day. And that's when the families go back and then clean these uh, and also make some offerings again and clean the area. And if you actually have a funeral relative who has been buried, you actually have to clean take out all the weeds and stuff around the tomb and so on. So that is um, some interesting facts that many of us might not know about funerals in Taiwan. All right. How about we move on to something a little happier and uh, talk about weddings? Now, I've been to quite a few weddings in Taiwan, very different from a Western wedding. 
as you know, in a Western wedding, most people go to church again. And the reverend or the priest or the vicar will marry you. He is by law allowed to do that. Then everybody moves to the reception and then they party. Now in Taiwan, it's very different from that. Taiwan, actually, you have a banquet. Your wedding is actually a massive banquet with all these big round tables, 10 to 12 people at the table. And then you go there and then they serve. It's usually a 12 or a 13 course meal. I just remember the food just keeps coming. There's just no end, okay? And it's very formal. And on the table is usually a bottle of whiskey, an orange juice and guava juice. And then the whiskey is absolutely horrible. Uh, the whiskey I cannot get into my body. So we often ask the place. It's usually a restaurant or a hotel where they do these things if they have any beer, you know. <laughs> but anyway, then the funny thing that I couldn't understand is that once that banquet is over. Oh, by the way, let me just add this. One of these 12 or 13 dishes must be rice dumplings because a dumpling is like a circle, right? It's like round. So so it means it means luck and that hopefully the, there will be many days of good luck for this pair or this couple. So um, another thing that I just also wanted to tell before I move on to, to the next point is when you go to these banquets, you're supposed to come late. That was for me... That's the weirdest thing. They say, okay, the, the, the wedding will start, say, at 6 p.m., but nobody comes before 7. I remember one of these weddings, the people at my school said to me, okay, so the wedding is at 6. We see you there at 5, okay? And I was so stupid. I went at 5. There was not a soul for the next two hours. I wandered around between these tables, and I looked into the kitchen, and I was a little bit angry, actually. But anyway, and then another thing that would be weird for, uh, for Westerners, you know, in the old days, that has also changed in Western countries, but in the old days, you went to a wedding and at the reception, and you bring a gift, right? And then once you move from the church to the reception, you put the gifts there as an area for gifts. And it's just a mountain of gifts, you know. And it's usually in the old days because the couple is supposed to be young and they have nothing. So it's things that they can use in the house, like a maybe a microwave or a pot or salt and pepper shakers, things like that. Now, that has also changed in the Western countries because people get married a little older now. They already have a house. They already have a sofa. And I mean, how many salt and pepper shakers do you really need, right? So it has also changed in Western countries now where people uh, often go to a store. And in this store, they like uh, things they can use, right? And there's a list of things that they would like. And then you can go there and buy one of the things. In Taiwan, although there are very few people who bring gifts, mostly people bring money. They put it in a red envelope. And uh, and then as you before you walk in to this to the banquet hall, then you uh, have to give your envelope. It's not anonymous, by the way, okay? There's <laughs> an accountant on duty, and this accountant will write down your name, open the envelope, and check the money, and see how much you get, and write down the amount of money. I felt too ashamed to do that. So I usually just, just uh, when my friend got married, I just gave him the, the red envelope. I said, here, I'm not going to I'm not going to go stand in that line and let everybody write down my pathetic few dollars that I can afford to give you. Yeah, put it in your pocket. You'll see it later. And I gave him two envelopes. One was filled with fake money and the other one with real money. So he wouldn't know which one is really from me, you know. Anyway, so <laughs> so that was a little bit strange for me in the beginning that it's a little bit, I felt it was a little cold, you know. The reason why they do this is that when I get married one day, I can check how much did you give me. Then I give you the same. I, of course, I'm losing out on this because I'll never get married, so I'm never going to get any of the money back. So I just lose. Another thing that's interesting for uh, a Taiwan wedding is that uh, in the Western countries, on the wedding day, we often have a professional photographer 
or a friend who's a, who has a very good camera, and they take pictures, right? They take pictures of the bride getting dressed and the groom getting dressed and what have you as they come. And there's like a whole story the whole day at the reception and so on and so forth. Taiwan, very interestingly, they take their wedding photos a few months before the wedding. They go to these professional studios. They get dressed up in different kinds of clothes. Sometimes they go out to the riverbank and they take all these gorgeous photos. It's, it's quite expensive. It's, it's a lot of money. It's, it's thousands of US dollars. And then they choose the best one. And this one gets enlarged and it is put outside the banquet hall. The most beautiful one of the two of them. But now more and more in Taiwan also, the people like to have photos of the actual wedding day. So more and more of them take pictures at the banquet and, and, and what have you. All right. So that's two things that are a little different. Now, then another thing that was strange for me is now once this banquet is over, they are married, but they haven't seen a, a person in authority. There's, there's no uh, reverend or there's no uh, a clerk of the government there. They just married because everybody ate together. But then they're still not legally married. Okay, Even though after this banquet, they can now live together happily, they still have to go to a government office and register their marriage. And this can happen anything from a day to a few months after the banquet. The main thing is the banquet. More important than registering at the government. All right. But I want to tell you a little bit about what happens before this banquet. And there are actually a lot of traditions. In the real traditional Taiwanese custom, there are actually three banquets. There's the engagement banquet, then there's the wedding banquet, and then there's the returning of, to the bride's family, which now doesn't happen so often, only for really traditional families. The main thing nowadays is the wedding banquet, but the, I, I do know of many people who also had an engagement banquet. All right, and as opposed to a funeral, where when you give your red envelope with money to them, it must be an even number, because they are a couple, right? So you want them to stay together and not be single again. Now, say, for example, the, the banquet is in the evening. In the morning, there are a few things that must happen. Okay, they go to the bride's house, the groom and the bride and everybody's there. And then they must serve tea to the parents. The bride has to do this to show that she's very obedient and kind. You know, the traditional way, not the way the modern women see the world, but in the traditional sense, she must show that she's a good server and she can take care of the elders and so on. And then they, they serve this tea to the parents. And then the, the, the elders, the parents, they must put a little envelope in an empty teacup. Not as payment, but it's kind of part of the uh, tradition. So at least they get something out of it, right? And then, you know how in the Western countries, people have a, a bachelor party or a stag party, as they say in England, and then a bridal shower. Now, they don't really have that in Taiwan, except that the bridesmaids... They have this list of things that the groom and the best man have to do. So little things they have to do on that morning before the banquet, for example, they must do X amount of push-ups to show that they are strong. They must gather a certain number of things to show that they are good hunters. It's all like really um, from long time ago when we lived in the caves. <laughs> Not really that long time ago. But anyway, so they must do all these things and uh, to show that they are strong and they can pass all the tests, right? Then... They exchange rings, which in the Western weddings usually happen in church. And then after that, the bride and the groom actually get into the car. Now, this is interesting. So now she's leaving her parents' house, kind of for good, right? And two things happen. First, her parents, they throw out a basin of water. They empty a basin of water, kind of to show 
our daughter is like the water. She's out. She's gone. I mean, she's not gone forever. She can still come and visit, but it's kind of figuratively, you know, she, she's leaving. And then the daughter, as she is in the car, she must throw out a fan, you know, a, a cooling fan that you, you know, that Asian fan that you fan on your face when you feel hot. She must throw this out. And the reason for that is that she's showing that she's leaving her temper behind. Now, if this poor girl has a bit of a temper, as, as I do, I know it's very hard to control your temper. Now she must actually... So, so what they're saying is, during your married life, girl, never ever lose your temper again. Remember that fan you threw out? That was your temper. Now stay calm at all times. Well, again, you know, very traditional. I doubt that modern girls of now of, of this century pay too much attention to that. They might still do it, but they will soon lose their temper after that anyway. So because that's just natural, right? Okay, and then when that's done, then they go to the banquet. And then all those things happen, all that food and so on and so forth. I, I will just add something here. And that is once my, my friend Mark got married, he said to me that he feels weird just to have a banquet and then he suddenly married. And he said, um, can you like uh, marry us? So I went online and I found the words. And I and before we went into the banquet hall, there was a small, like not a church, but a little hall. And they came in just like a Western wedding. And I stood in front and I said, welcome everybody to this wedding of Mark and Catherine. And then I said my words and I said, are you willing to take each other? Say your vows. And then at the end, just just like, just like the, the people say in, in real life, I said, now with the power vested in me, I pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. That part, you know, of course I had no power. It was just nice saying that. And then they felt better because they both more like Western. Uh, Catherine was grew up in Canada, even though she's from Taiwan. So they just felt like a little, there's more closure and now they can go and have the party. And it was a nice party. There was a band and people danced and so on. So that was uh, one of my experiences. I was actually uh, responsible for tying the knot. And can I just say, they are still married. And they, <laughs> and they have a beautiful little girl. All right. So that was a successful mission on my part. Okay. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. The, especially the for uh, people who don't know the differences between the, the Western and the Taiwan traditions. Okay, that's the end of today's episode. Until we talk again, goodbye.